Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome back to my podcast, Grab It Quick News. This is the first episode of season five of my podcast. Yay! This thing is really doing what it do, y'all, and I'm so happy to be back. As always, I appreciate every single listener and person who has written in. We are in the last month of 2022, December. December 1st, we celebrated World AIDS Day and those who pioneered to make this a day of celebration and not a death sentence. Over 150,000 people are living with HIV in the UK. Globally, there are an estimated 38 million people who have this virus. Despite the virus only being identified in 1984, more than 35 million people have died of HIV or AIDS-related illnesses, making it one of the most destructive pandemics in history. Today, scientific advances have been made in HIV treatment. There are laws to protect people living with HIV, and we understand so much more about the condition. Despite this, each year in the UK, over 4,100 people are diagnosed with HIV. People do not know the facts about how to protect themselves, others, and the stigma and discrimination remain a reality for many people living with this condition. World AIDS Day is important because it reminds the public and the government that HIV has not gone away. There's still a vital need to raise money, increase awareness, fight prejudice, and improve education worldwide. World AIDS Day may be a once a year thing, but you can support people who are living with this all year round. You can sign up to National AIDS Trust mailing list to stay up to date with their new developments in HIV and learn how you can get involved as an activist or just as a volunteer. You can also support their work by donating to the National AIDS Trust because they rely on our support to continue championing the rights of people. 2022 has tested everyone and shown us our inner warriors and demons. I urge everyone to continue to stay strong and safe during these certain times. We have a few more spiritual battles to fight together, and it is more important than ever for us to take care of one another as well as ourselves. All right, let's get started. A gentle reminder, if you're not 18 or older, you shouldn't be listening to this without your parents' consent. Let's get it. All right, the first question I'm going to dive right in and answer is from a female from Connecticut. She writes, Dear Jessica, I have a confession. I've been holding on to inside and I can no longer hold it in any longer. Ooh, I also need your help. My confession is that I do not like sucking dick. It makes me feel dirty. After doing it, I feel ashamed of myself. Do you have any advice for me as to why I feel ashamed and why I feel dirty after? I really want to please my man, but I just can't seem to do it without feeling bad. Well, this is a new one. So this really is an interesting letter. Thank you for writing it. Thank you for sharing it with me, female in Connecticut. The reason that I say it's interesting is because I don't think women realize how many other women don't enjoy oral sex when it's like you have to give it. You just don't, you know what I mean? What am I, I'm on my knees, my jaw hurts, like, dude, hurry up. Like, it's a whole thing. So that is never going to be my concern or issue. When I read this letter, the thing that stands out to me is it makes me feel dirty. I feel ashamed of myself. And then it's why. So that lets me know that we have not really connected the dots when it comes to um, our sexual autonomy 
and sexual boundaries, right? So my advice to you would be to contact a sexual therapist um, who could actually help you work through the issues that you may have around the stigma that you feel when it comes to oral sex. Um, The stigma that arises around oral sex, it can be a number of factors. It could be that you had childhood trauma, um, sexual abuse, or it could be that um, one of your family members had trauma and that was like a thing that they told you, like, if you suck dick, you're going to go to hell, right? Or it could also be a religious trauma where if you were raised very religious or your parents were, they have kind of bore into you that oral sex is wrong gay sex is wrong kissing is wrong like the only thing you should be doing is abstinence and then you could also have that stigma where you have a female superiority complex and that is true where you feel like I am demoralizing myself to please this man who is less than I am and that's a whole nother power trip ego trip on its own so I'm going to give you some homework to do on your own before you make the appointment with the sex therapist, because I really want you to do this. I'm not just saying this to like shoo you or get you out of here. But the reason I'm saying a therapist is because this is going to be a layer more likely than not of you finding out why there's so much trauma stigma around it and it could be all of those contributing factors that I just said or it could be none of those contributing factors that I said but the number one thing is you want to find out and you want to pinpoint it it could just be all in your head you may just not like it but in order to find that out you want to speak to a professional I know that I am a professional (laughs) right but I'm not that kind of professional So yes, I get this question quite often, but I just want to make sure that you're checking in with someone who can see just past this question. Because I see that you said, I really want to please my man. And right now this isn't about necessarily pleasing your man. This is about making sure that you feel comfortable in yourself because I have met so many women who have done sexual things to please their man that they end up even more traumatized behind it. And I don't want that to happen to you. Okay. So thank you so much for the letter. I hope my advice works. Good luck. All right. Our second letter comes from an anonymous party. They emailed JG. Thanks for restarting your podcast. I sent this letter two seasons ago. Oh my gosh. Sorry. (laughs) But you did not pick it. The question, however, is still relevant. I hate that I always give my all to people and they don't give half of that back. I am so tired of feeling used by people. I just want someone to love me for me. How do I do that? This is a good question, Anonymous. I have been working on this, I would say, for the past four years. Um, Before, I used to think, well, if I just work really hard and I become the prettiest, the nicest, the kindest then it will just all fall in place and people will just love me and then I realized no people usually take your kindness for a weakness when you're the prettiest they usually try to take advantage or manipulate you and when you're the smartest they really hate you (laughs) so none of that stuff worked but when I decided to really um work on myself on the inside, when I started to love myself more, when I started to um, embrace my divine energy, my divine feminine energy, when I just started 
making myself happy, then people who truly loved me, love me, appreciate me, have started to come in my life. This is not an easy thing to do. It's it's a one step at a time thing. So I'm just going to give you some things that may help you. Um, whenever you feel down on days where you're like, I don't feel lovable, I want you to journal those feelings. Um, and that way, when you are happy or you're in a stable place mentally, you can actually look back and you can see what is actually triggering those feelings. Because I love to tell people, Feelings are not facts and facts aren't feelings. You may feel like someone is not loving you and then you may reflect back on that when you've written it down and realize that maybe this person was loving me but not the way that I needed. And that again is okay. It is okay to tell people this is the way that I need you to love me at this time. I need space for this. I need you to give me this so I can feel the emotional support, the love. So journaling is a really good way to pinpoint the triggers that make you feel that way. Also, when I say um, getting in touch with my divine self, I mean doing things that I like to do. Not things that my mom and dad told me that I like to do, not things that my siblings or my friends or my coworkers, but things that I genuinely like to do. That the, my favorite songs, Every single favorite song, even if it's from the 90s. (laughs) I have a playlist of every single favorite song. And whenever I feel like I am not loved, worthy, I put that playlist on. And it's usually like a hodgepodge. Like it's got K-pop, it's got hip-hop, it's got R&B, it's got pop. It's, It's just a hodgepodge of my happy space. But that in itself is helping me release my love in my heart. And it's giving it back to me. So I would recommend that you do that as well. You play your favorite songs, watch your favorite movies, make a concerted effort, really do it to where you only do things that you want to do, that you like to do, that you enjoy to do, and you love to do. And before you know it, the people who you want in your life are going to be like, oh my gosh, you're having so much fun. I want to have fun with you too. I love this too. It becomes a connection that brings people together. And that is how we find love. Once we really love ourselves, once we stop trying to pretend or we overgive or we overshare, we can find that love. But the number one thing I want you to get out of this anonymous is if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love anybody else? And then another thing is, if you can't love yourself, how can you expect someone to love you the way that you want to be loved? So I know when I say all of these things, like, okay, Jessica, play my favorite playlist, do the things that I like to do in my childhood and things that I love to do on my own, that that sounds kind of crazy, but it isn't. Because if you really think about it, you would do this for someone that you were in love with right? You would take them to all those nice places that they wanted to go. You would put their favorite songs on a list. You would shower them with praise and encouragement. You would make sure that they felt love. And most importantly, you would go easy on them and show mercy and not be so judgmental. So those things that you would do for that person that you love, you have to do it for yourself. You have to exercise that kind of self-love so that way it will shine so brightly on you that it will help your soul and their counterpart connect with you. 
So that way you don't have to look for love. You love yourself so much that it's like a moth to a flame. The people who love your light will automatically come to you, okay? So I hope I answered your question. Be easy on yourself, okay? Love ya. All right, let's get to it. Our third question, sorry about Our third question comes from a female from Brooklyn, New York. She writes, Jessica, explain ethical non-monogamy to me like I am a child. (laughs) I keep hearing it and I have no idea what that means. So please help your girl. (laughs) I love this. This is so cute. All right. I'm going to try to explain it. I actually did an article on this on my review. um, And I'm just going to read what it is. And then I will break it down. Okay, so it's called, it's also called CNM, which is consensual non-monogamy. Consensual non-monogamy is a more common practice than many may realize. The basis of this particular relationship is consent and transparency. The definition of consensual non-monogamy is any romantic relationship where people form consensually non-exclusive romantic or sexual relationships outside of that one. Those who practice consensual non-monogamy tend to experience are you ready for this greater moral stigma than those within exclusively monogamous romantic relationships is estimated four to five percent of the u.s population maintain maintain now that means that we are fucking all the time more than one sexual partner with each other's full knowledge and consent According to a 2016 study for the Journal of Sex and Marital Therapy, 20% of single U.S. adults reported that they have engaged in consensual non-monogamy at some point in their life, and 5 to 16% of that was married adults. If you think it is just the younger generation participating in this transparent sex trend, you can think again, because this study found that education, income level, religion, political affiliation, age, race had absolutely nothing to do with the likelihood that someone would engage in ethical non-monogamy. Yeah. So and then it also goes on to say in a 2000 2016 Pew poll of nine countries, the U.S. had the highest du- disapproval rate for adultery with 84% of Americans disapproving. So there is a stigma around consensual non-monogamy, but there are benefits unique to consensual non-monogamy. There were three unique benefits described by the people who were in consensually non-monogamous relationships. The first was a diversified need fulfillment. The second was a variety of non-sexual activities. The third was personal growth and development. So number one, the diversified need fulfillment, that means that you're getting your needs fulfilled from the relationship, it is central. But that means that maybe your partner may not be able to fulfill that need, so they let you have a partner, right? So number two, variety of non-sexual activities. So the consensual non-monogamous relationship has allowed a wide range of everyday, like going to the movie or adventurous backpacking across Thailand because of multiple partners. Some people went into great detail about how much they loved a certain activity, like going to the opera, but their long-term partner was ambivalent or sometimes just hated it in general. So that is, yeah, 
Then number three, we talked about personal growth and development. So couples who engage in consensual non-monogamy, they benefit their personal growth and development. Many people describe this benefit as a journey of introspection where they expanded their horizons and they grew as an individual. Some noted feelings of freedom from restrictions and that they can express their full range of sexuality, which was not possible when they were in a strictly monogamous relationship. So I'm going to break that down for you, girlfriend. All this means is that two people who really love each other are mature enough to know that they cannot be each other's all. That's it. So they have made up a contract or a deal and they're allowing these people to have non-exclusive relationships with other people so that they can get their needs fulfilled. I believe in my heart that if... There is real transparency, real love and real honesty. And your partner is into consensual non-monogamy or ethical non-monogamy. It can work. But the truth of the matter is the reason that um, it doesn't work the majority of the time is because somebody usually gets jealous or there is an attachment. Consensual non-monogamy, I want to be very clear, is not polyamory. Polyamory is where we are all consenting to whatever we got going on in that in that there and we usually all sleep together have kids together we all share um household duties finances that's not what consensual non-monogamy is consensual non-monogamy is um i'm gonna use an example uh me and my husband y'all know i ain't married but okay So me and my husband, we get married and he's like, oh, Jessica, I just love that you're free spirited. And I love that you like to have all these different partners and I don't want to change that for you. And I go, "Okay, that's what consensual non-monogamy is. Or I may change it around and go, hey, um, I think it's time for you to get a hall pass. Like a hall pass is considered consensual non-monogamy. Yeah. Or let's say I'm going to keep going with examples so you get it. It's not just, you know, you get a free pass to cheat. It could be that um, you have cancer and you have radiation. um, And I know with some radiations, you're not able to be touched. You cannot have sexual intercourse. And that radiation can go on for six to nine months. And yes, I feel bad. But I also feel bad for the partner who may have wanted you know, to touch their wife or husband and the wife or husband may know that and decide, Hey, go have fun. You know what I mean? Like that's what consensual non-monogamy is. It's all about being mature enough and being open enough with yourself to, to have some introspection and to realize like, I'm not, I'm not going to ever be enough for my partner. Like even me as an adult film star who has learned the Kama Sutra (laughs) front ways and back ways, I still know that there is a partner out there that I may not be enough for. And if I really love them, that is the thought that we may have to come to. And I think Americans were getting a lot smarter with it, but we have to remove the stigma. We've got to start removing the stigma around a lot of things because it's 2023. We need to stop. We need to start removing the stigma around sex education because sex education is not helping us when it comes to explaining to people what BDM really is or what consensual non-monogamy is. And a lot of you guys are hearing these terms from yours truly for the first time, which shouldn't be the case. 
we should be hearing polyamorous relationships. We should be hearing um, gay parenting. We should be hearing all of those buzzwords to the point where we, we should never feel like they're buzzwords again. So that's what consensual non-monogamy is, yo. It's just you being, you and your partner being open enough to realize that every now and again, you're probably going to want to haul pass and, and they are too. So you guys tell me what you think about ethical non-monogamy or consensual non-monogamy. All right. Thanks for the letter. Our last letter is from a female out of Louisiana. She writes, Dear Jessica, I cheated on my boyfriend. We're long distance and being away opened up opportunities to fuck with new guys. And I was really tempted. Now... I just feel sick to my stomach and I don't know if I should tell him because he is one of the most amazing guys I have ever dated. What do you think I should do? Well, thank you female in Louisiana for writing me and giving me this letter. You cheated on your boyfriend in a long distance relationship. You didn't tell me how long you guys have been long distance. So I don't really know how good my, how far my advice is going to go. If this was a relationship, because this is my thing. A relationship is a relationship. I always say that, don't I? But it's true. So the day you said, okay, I'm going to be your girlfriend, that had like fine print. So that's like, I'm going to be your girlfriend if we're in a long distance relationship. I'm going to be your girlfriend if you go to the military. I'm going to be your girlfriend if you know what I mean? Like there was fine print. So I can't even really give you the ticket. Like I was going to try to give you a pass. Like, well, it could be, but I don't even want to do that because I want people to take relationships seriously because we live in a world where you can be single, fancy free and have all the fun you want and you don't have to be in a relationship. So when you get into a relationship, there is always a fine print at the very bottom that tells you what you can and cannot do. Some of us know it. Some of us like to have our um, partners say it out loud so we can know. And then there are other fine prints that aren't there. Like if you cheat on me, I'm leaving you. Or if you get someone pregnant, I'm, you know what I mean? There are fine prints. So you knew. So then it goes on to um, being away, opened up opportunities to fuck with new guys. And I was tempted. And I feel like maybe it wasn't that. Maybe we were tempted anyway. And we just use the distance as a way to do it, right? I'm just going to put that out there. I know this is not <laughs> the advice you were hoping for, but I'm just being real with you. Um, I do see that you do have remorse because you feel sick about it. And I don't know if you feel sick about it because you did it and that you got to fess up. But at the end of the day, if this man is as good as you say he is, then you're going to have to tell him the truth. You're going to have to tell him the truth so that he doesn't waste his time on you. Um, Whenever you withhold information from a partner, you are basically putting a shackle on their leg, an invisible ball and chain, and you are sticking them to you and they cannot go. You know that the chain is there. You know what you did, but they don't. So is that fair? No, it's not. Because whenever they're trying to leave, they got that invisible ball and chain and they don't know why. I would say you need to tell him because once you tell him the truth, he may excuse it. He may say, hey, you know what? 
I forgive you because we were in a long distance relationship and I was tempted as well. Or he could say, you know what? I don't want to be bothered with you, blah, blah, blah. But if he really loves you because long distance relationships, if they have been going on for a while, that means that you guys really love each other. So I don't want to discredit that. Long distance relationships are very tough. So if he is hanging in for you, um, then you need to hang in for him. And once you tell him, you need to make sure that you are as transparent with him as possible from that day forward. So if you are feeling sexually tempted, baby girl, you got to let him know. Like, I'm feeling sexually tempted. Can we meet at a halfway point? Um, You guys also may want to start planning trips together or making sure that we see each other more than once a year, twice a year. And we may want to increase those FaceTimes. We may also want to start um, doing like a couple boo, a bay boo game night where we play different games with each other just to keep that intimacy going. Um, but all in all, I think you're going to be okay. I think you learned your lesson. I think You know, if you want to be single, stay single. And if you don't, then I think you should let him know how much you love him and just tell him the truth. Thanks so much for the letter. I hope it works out for you. All right, that's episode one, season five. That is a wrap. As always, I want to thank everybody who is listening. I want to thank everybody who wrote in. And I always, always, always want to just thank the universe for letting me be able to do this for you guys. Like I always say, be good or be good at it. Until next time, bye.